Hello, and welcome back to the East German Fashion History Podcast. Now, I know it's been a while, and I'd like to thank you for your patience and still having a listen. For these last two weeks of November, or this month's theme, we're going to be looking at DIY fashion and its connection to East German punk, the East German punk scene, and their thriving subculture. So while this week we'll look at the existential necessity for home sewing and DIY, next week we're going to look at punk, culture, and style. Now before we get into it, a little housekeeping, you're going to be able to find show notes for Fake It Till You Make It, last month's series on synthetics, and Das ist Punk, this month's theme, all posted by December 1st on the blog, which will be in the episode link descriptions. And next month, so mid-December, we're going to look at denim and its conspicuous consumption in the German Democratic Republic. And folks, it is a crazy story, lots of money, lots of drama, all for the GDR's own version of designer denim competing with Levi's. And a lawsuit is involved with Levi's, so get ready for it. Just wait for mid-December. Now, for additional content on all things fashion in the GDR, feel free to follow me at The Artificial Silk Femme. And let me know your listener by just sliding a note into my DMs. Now, stay tuned after the show to hear a song from one of my favorite GDR punk bands, Schleimkeim, and their anti-cop ballad, Mit einem Knüppel in der Hand, with a club in his hand, off the album Abfallprodukte der Gesellschaft, or Waste Products of a Society. Now, let's get on with the show. So as we discussed in the previous episode, there have been severe, there were severe shortages and surpluses in apparel throughout the history of the GDR. And one of the main reasons for the inevitable failure of creating a planned economy for an industry really designed out of desire, demand, and supply. And within fashion's vestiges, it's really all about trends, covetability, and ephemerality. Without those three things, you don't have a living, breathing, and thriving culture that that celebrates the art of style and its fickle moods. And it's really hard to create a trend-based industry out of a planned economy. Now, throughout the 50s and 60s, there were a growing number of complaints about quality, price, surpluses, and scarcities at the HAO. This was the Handelsorganisation, or the nationalized retail stores one would be shopping for their clothes in the GDR. And a lot of those growing complaints may be in part because East Germans were comparing the quality of their availability to close to that of the West German products, which quite honestly were often cheaper and of a better better quality and price, much better price. Now, in the late 1960s, a study found that 40 million pieces of industrially manufactured ready-to-wear that stores sold each year was in addition to 30 million pieces of outerwear stemming from, quote, other sources. 
in East German women's outerwear, stores bought that accounted for as little as one third of the total consumption. What does this mean? Well, let's look at the numbers. That's a rather small amount of store-bought apparel and reflects really the prevalence of alternatives like tailor-made and home-sewn, home-knit clothes over buying something at a haul. Home-sewing in times of scarcity was uh, naturally based out of the historical consequence that came from the post and the inner and post-war years. And they probably, households probably learn these techniques from their mothers and their grandmothers. So from refashioning a garment to adding, lengthening parts, shortening the hems to fit into new fashions. Home sewing and DIY practices were almost everyday chores. And for comparison, while post-war women were refashioning garments and clothes out of military uniforms, linens, and upholstery. By the end of the 60s, East German women improvised solutions for outerwear by using Celastic, which was a cheap fabric for pillows and cushions. And even up until 1971, a study found that 56% of East German women owned at least one individually made dress, 49% of their skirts that they owned were home sewn, and 33% of their blouses were also made at home or through a cousin or a friend. And this would continue well into the 80s. Now, in terms of the greater context, if we were to compare it to ideas of sustainability, this is not a sustainable model. And this is, think about the sheer amounts of wasted product because a lot of people ended up home sewing because they couldn't find something in their size, style, color, fit for them at a haul. Still, that's a lot of wasted product from industrially manufactured clothing and factories. Now to home sew, you needed a sewing machine. That sewing machine was called a veritas, or truth in Latin. It was an elect- it was electronic, had 16 sewing programs, four stitch varieties, and was produced by the VAB, Sewing Machine Workshop, so the People's Owned Sewing Machine Workshop. And if you didn't have a sewing machine, or in addition to, you probably also had a knitting machine. And this was considered the, quote, lazy person's answer to sewing. Knitwear was generally a big trend in the 60s and the 70s, and this goes for both in East and in West Germany. So we can't really always, and in Western Europe, we can't always look at things in this fossilized term of things were so horrible in the East, they didn't have access to trends, they didn't have access to this. That's bullshit. And that is expressed through the trend of knitwear and also crazy patterns which you find in the east and the west and ap- apologies for that that little mishap before anyway so from jackets to sweaters suits overalls pants even bathing suits obviously everything was knit and could be home knit and you would use your veritas knitting machine with your alvo wool alvo wool was the standard product that you could retail product you could buy for different in different uh, styles of wool and you can still find veritas knit machines for 120 euros which is about 142 dollars 
and Alvo wool, which is was 2.95 euro, which equates to $3.50, and this is all still available on eBay Germany. Now, one account which I found in the book Schick in der DDR, I highly recommend it if you are a German reader and interested in fashion the GDR was from a working mother who said, so she had two young boys and in order to make ends meet, her husband bought her a veritas to sew their clothes. It took her about a year to really get well-versed in and to master. And once she, she got that all down pat, she was considered the favorite cousin who could sew everything. She probably turned this into a lucrative side job. And fun fact in the GDR, there was a booming black and gray market, and clothing was essential to this. And we'll delve into that later, and we'll delve into these side jobs. So in the late 60s, it was also common, another common trend were, were self-dyed and created patterns that really also seeped well into the 70s. And obviously, once you knew how to self-knit and self-sew, you might as well take the extra step and dye your own clothes, making wild, trippy patterns. Again, wild, fun, crazy patterns, pattern clashing. That was just as much as a trend in East Germany as it was in the West, West Germany and in West Europe. And it was really common to use batik and tie-dye were two trending patterns people would make and also carving patterns from and shapes out of potatoes. It was known that households across East Germany had their basements filled with basins and vats of deep blue, bright red, and green dye water. Other popular materials used to make clothes included bed sheets imported from Uzbekistan, which were the best quality. FYI, Uzbekistan is a Central Asian country that was also part of the USSR. And if it wasn't used for infants and toddlers, diaper fabric was also a, a fun and easy fabric to use for summer tops. Now, we can't talk about the DIY or DIY fashion without discussing the black market. Now, this was really a thriving economic undercurrent that existed since the post-war years, and it was really the official purpose of the Ha'o to try and eliminate it. If you weren't shopping at the Ha'o or the Biva, Billigewaren, and you were a bit wealthier, you were probably shopping at Exquisite. And if you couldn't find anything at either of those three options, you either had friends in the West sewed your own clothes or you could buy clothes self-made like made through the custom made through the black market and this was also this was a popular practice because if we think about the fashion culture and what was what was available to you a lot of women um a lot of east german women still remember zabilla being the most prominent um the most provocative and the most interesting fashion magazine available in East Germany. But a lot of the patterns and a lot of the models shown 
at Zabilla weren't really available either for limited run or they were just made for the magazine. So you could often, you, you would be able to find some of those patterns and some of those pieces. You might as well take the risk and see if it was available in the black market or if you could find someone who worked in that, in that economy to make that style for you, that pattern for you. Now, how is East German punk intertwined? Well, a slew of them studied at the Berlin Weissensee Kunsthochschule, which is still a well, it was a well-respected art school in GDR. And that had deep ties to the Deutsche Mode Institute, the German Fashion Institute, which set all the pre-planned seasonal trends for the HO and to show at Sibylle. And naturally, there were state mandates that the, G the Zibille, the Deutsche Mode Institute, the fashion industry really had to source a lot of their talent from the Berlin Weissensee and Kunsthochschule. So it was a really tight connection. Naturally, those students, creatives, punks, knew how to sew and with their strong connections had greater access to fabrics and materials and could make a pretty de decent living sewing and making clothes for the black market. Whether you were a toned down creative living and working in the mainstream fashion at places like Zibille and the, the HO and for the VEB, or especially in TV and media, or you were a punk living on the fringes of a commune in Prenzlauer back East Berlin, you knew how to sew, you knew how to make a decent living, and you had access to those materials because of your connections. And you, can, you could easily subsist on an average of 300 to 400 marks and get all of that through underground work. Now, one great example of this that we'll get into more about her personality next week is Angelika Kroka. She was from Alalairau, which was one underground fashion theatrical performance that was closely associated with the CCD, Shikshamant and Dauerhaft, the subculture we'll also talk about. And she recalls, and with her deep punk ties, she recalls that, quote, my friend needed golf, a golf, su golf supplies which I needed two weeks to make. This costed 40,000 Eastmarks. At the time, that was a lot of money. Kroka goes on to say, you could make quick money by sewing t-shirts that would be bought at the Oranienburga flea market or at the Baltic Sea. Dresses and jackets out of cotton diaper material were also sewn and sold on the black market. It was easy cash. The demand was high, but a tailor or seamstress working for the black market could make the monthly income of a university docent. And it was Prosecco, gas, and a good mood that could all be paid for. Now let's break this down, or just a fun fact, 40,000 Eastmarks, to translate that, um, the general ratio between East and West marks was one to one, but there was really little conversion and that took, usually took place on the black market. And that exchange rate was five East marks to one Deutsche mark. Relatively speaking, 40,000 East marks is still a good amount. Furthermore, people and tastemakers like Sabina von Oettingen, she was one of the main players of the movement we'll talk about next week, said that, quote, we sewed everything we could. 
even harness bags, end quote. So whether you were of the higher classes, middle or working class, or living on the fringes of society in a punk commune producing radically underground fashion shows, home sewing and DIY was fundamental to the East German material culture and socialist personality of self-sufficiency. But all of this, if we want to wind it back, is really a vestigial organ of those inner war years of survival. So, beyond clothing as an existential hierarchy for human civilizations to exist and feel comfortable, it's also about, and what largely this podcast is about, self-expression, individuality, and style. Now, for comparison, let's look at the general scope of things. I'm going to talk about Angela Merkel. In her official biography written by Stefan Cornelius, she talks about how her academic studies in chemistry and physics provided a sense of freedom for her and thought within having to live in the repressive GDR. And in many ways, sewing, knitting, home dyeing, pattern making provided an outlet for expression from maybe a, a very repressive society and a sense of freedom or a sense of ephemeral freedom. Now, next week, we'll dive deeper into punk and the scene, and we're going to talk more about Zabina von Oettingen who would also stage these elaborate fashion shows as well as fashion editorials and photographs in her friend, photographer Helga Paris's living room. And her son um, says it very beautifully. That really ends up, that really encapsulates this episode. He said that she would create these really elaborate, cre these really elaborate tableaus because she couldn't actually live through her freedoms and aspirations, so she would stage them through her performances and photographs. And I have some photographs. I'm going to try to find more of these elaborate tableaus of her aspirational freedom, and I can post those to the blog by the first. So next week, we're going to expand upon the punk fashion scene, look at their tastemakers, style influencers, and collect fashion collective. And don't forget to stay tuned for a song from Schleimkeim, one of, um, also known as one of East Germany's mo first and most notorious punk bands. Now, if you love punk rock and just want a great, a greater understanding of what that scene was like in East Germany, I would highly recommend. I've read it. It's great. Tim Moore's book, Burning Down the House, Punk Rock, Punk Rock Revolution and the Fall of Berlin, the Berlin Wall. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Bis bald. Auf Wiedersehen.